This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Good morning to you. Welcome into the Action Line from WGNS. On our first segment this morning, we're going to be talking about your feet feeling good. And we'll also talk about the middle half marathon. Krista Dugash is with us from Fleet Feet Sports. How are you today? I'm good, Bart. Thank you for having me. Good to have you with us. Now, I'll have to tell people, several years ago, my feet were hurting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was uh, visiting my skin doctor for a, a regular checkup. And, and I mentioned that to her that my, my feet were really hurting, which was usually not a skin problem. But she, she did notice that I had uh, some, some corns and what, calluses, whatever, on the feet. And she said, that's because your shoes are probably not fit right. properly. You ought to go to Fleet Feet. Mm-hmm. And that's been years and years ago. Ever since then, I have not had that problem. Uh, because you guys over there at Fleet Feet do a phenomenal job of uh, sizing the shoes properly. Uh, I've never had somebody do it as well. And thank you for making me feel better. <laughs> well, thank you. And, you know, that's, uh, that's one thing that we know that you have to be in the right product for whatever you need the shoes for. Gym, walking, running, it, it matters. And no feet are the same. Mm-hmm. And no shoes are the same. So that's what we focus on. We work with our vendors. I've been to the sports labs with Nike. I've been up into Boston with New Balance. We can pretty much dissect the shoe. And if we can see the feet, if we can see, know your history, if we can see the stressors, we pretty much can help. Now, sometimes it's a puzzle, but it's a collaboration between what we see and the information that we get from you. Now, I remember when I was a kid going to a store and you'd put your feet into a an x-ray looking machine and you'd watch your feet down there i don't know if that told much but you guys have a new device that uh takes a a picture of your feet 360 degrees around and you can come out with all sorts of statistics uh and and make that fit even more perfect yeah this is something that i wanted for years it just took a couple it took more years to collaborate with the company that built the software and it's a 3d scanner so we can actually you can stand on a platform we can 3d scan your feet and we're looking for stressors so that makes a ghost image so from the from the below the knee all the way you know to the foot bottom of the foot we can create a ghost foot and I can put that in a shoe and then recently we just brought in a pressure plate scanner so I can have you walk across a pressure plate and I can see your foot in movement I can integrate those two together and I can create an image and I can put that in a shoe and I can say really for the I can put it in a shoe and I can say Bart when you put this shoe on this is what you're going to feel you might feel tight around the forefoot or you know it I can actually wrap the foot in the shoe now we don't need that information because our eyes are trained to see it 
However, sometimes there's a difficulty. Sometimes there's a, a problem foot and no feet are the same and the shoes are the same. So it just takes some time and um, and then it's a skill set. We train our staff. We, tr- we They pretty much train every day. But, you know, you're only as good as the experience you have behind your behind your belt. Now, speaking of experience and, and making people feel better and do things better, uh, the middle half marathon is coming up. And you have been involved in the middle half, I guess, basically since the beginning. Uh, actually, yes. So when I first opened my store, I remember Melinda Tate, Miles Tate, and their daughter, Natalie. <clears throat> I had talked with them before, but they walked in and Melinda's like, hey, do you think Murfreesboro can handle a marathon? I have marathon. We've been wanting to put one together. And I was like, yes. And so from that inception, they created this wonderful race. And they, I was asked to be on, on the board. And um, it's it's been a wonderful experience. I tell you, our board is our family. And um, to have the race um, October the 9th come back into fruition, we're so excited about it. And I want it to sell out. The goodies that they're getting this year are, you know, Typhosi sunglasses and shirts. The swag is unbelievable. Who does that for a half marathon? (laughs) It's going to be great. And a a few years ago, they moved the marathon slightly uh, to where it starts just off the historic square. And that's, all, that's what it's about, Middle Tennessee. Let's bring in the history. Let's brag about what we have here. Let's recruit outside of just our, you know, Murfreesboro. Let's bring people in and let them see this wonderful town that we have. And that's been the focus. And, you know, I can be in on the board with this group and the, all the different lenses and the perspective that they bring to it. Everything that they think about is about every runner's experience. Now, what is the benefit of running in the middle half marathon? I've heard a lot of conversation about the historic beauty of, of the course, but I hear equally the importance of the flat course. Yeah, fast and flat. I'm, you know, um, some runners want to focus on speed. Some runners want to p- focus on a PR. Some speeds get you in certain races, and a fast flat race is a lot of. I mean, people search for that. So, um, you know, that's, that's definitely an advantage that we have. And also the number control. You know, it's not about going out and having the biggest, biggest capacity of participants. It's about being able to deliver the best experience. And I think the focus of the middle half, in my perspective, it's about the wow experience. So from start to finish, from the cheer squads, the water stop, the, you know, being able to experience the, his, the history running by the middle half our middle half monument you know just mm-hmm. being able to experience everything that we have and then the growth of mtsu and you know but we're working oh, with yeah. parks and rec and the, the police department and just all the different organizations that are involved with it it's 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 a wonderful experience and i truly am blessed to be involved in it is this a good way to start your running career i mean through say the middle half marathon um i don't see why not i do think that a body needs a little bit of time to get used to the running and the walking especially in that distance capacity um we are start restarting our training programs we have our half middle thing middle training program starting uh next tuesday night we um have a a coach in a capacity where she was a collegiate coach, uh, associate and assistant coach at um, Indiana University and developed some really all-American runners in Division One, And 
So she's Rebecca Walter. She's going to come out and coach our half marathon training program this year. Um, actually, we still have some availability, some openings in it. And if you're interested, it's on fleetfeetmurfreesboro.com. You can or call the store. Um, it's something that we put on hold a couple of years ago, and then and then COVID, um, you know, the COVID years. We, yes. we couldn't we yeah we couldn't host training groups and so but you know we did the whole virtual thing we did what every other brick and mortar every company that wanted to survive um did just you know we're gonna have virtual races but now that we're able to congregate and visit you know we're just we are very hopeful that our racing season stays productive now, when does the training begin so it depends on really where you are in your training so what we've done is we're starting a 12-week training program and we do want some pounding on the legs before you start although um, with Rebe- Rebecca's expertise she is saying that you can give me a walker and if I learn the behavior of that person I can get them there so um, our training programs are walkers run walkers and runners and so if you're a beginner person or if you're wanting to PR something personal it will be individualized for you that's something different that we offer um so we're we're focused on it this because of covid we've seen a huge growth in our walkers and running population because i think for sanity reasons and the whole mental aspect of survival during that time people have just realized that walking and running can create some really positive brain Waves, so we know that that it works in a mental capacity. So you're actually looking for walkers as well as runners. We take them all, and you know, in my business, you know, when we opened, of course, we said we were a specialty running store. I'd like to say we're a specialty store that if you use your feet, we can help you. I'm a licensed podorthist, so you know, the custom orthotics. It's something that I that I'm very well trained in. Um, but you know, we want you to run. I want your body in movement. So if you come to me and it's like, Krista, I don't run. I just want to walk to get my mail every day. I can help you. Um, we've worked with amputees. We work with bl- the blade runners. Um, you know, we have customers that walk in, that come in in a wheelchair, but they want shoes, and certainly you want them to be comfortable, and you want them to know how to put them on. So my with my background, I like to connect into medical because I feel like if your feet are bothering you that can really get in your mindset right so you want to be able to be comfortable in your feet and you know I would love to say that we're a hundred percent healthy community you know but we're not and so that's where we want to come in we want to kind of change the life change the wavelengths in the brain create something positive let up you know just get you out there and if I can get you comfortable in your feet then the rest is up to you so the first thing you need to do is go to the website fleetfeetmurfreesboro.com mm-hmm. and that will show you how to sign up for this training and then at what point uh, do you find out which program you need to work into so that is what happens with it you go ahead and sign up and it's a it's a paid it's a paid service it's 75 dollars. it's going to be sponsored by one of my brands hoka one one which many people love um you receive some swag and of course you get the little fleet feet shirt but uh based on how the coach assesses the participant will she will buddy you up and so she'll have um, an assistant coach that works with her and between the two of them it's going to be based on goal set so part if you join the program you might say i don't want to run but i certainly want to be able to make the timeline to complete the half marathon then she'll put you in a group and you have to have set realistic goals and she's asking for the goal before 
and then she wants to make sure that you reach that goal and she's very compassionate I'm more of prob- not a drill sergeant but I'm more of you know if if you commit to it I'm going to give you a hundred and I want a hundred back and she's like I'm going to give you a hundred if you give me 60 I'm going to I'll eat the extra 40 so it's just it's I can't wait to see how this experience runs down now do you encourage people to some of the people are, are you know really working hard to to walk or run quickly mm-hmm. and get through at a certain time some of them meander just a bit Uh, is there does it work does it do good for people no matter which way you go I'd like to say yes Um, I I think that they're you know a buddy system is nice the one thing about running and walking it it establishes some really wonderful friendships I could go on and on about some of the friends that I've made especially wonderful friends that I've met through the fleet feet so yeah buddy system whatever it takes whatever it takes i do believe in holding being held accountable so if you have a buddy accountability is nice because the, the one morning that you want to stay in bed it's nice to have somebody that's going to be waiting yeah. for you and you feel guilty so you'll be there <laughs> but yeah i think it matters and shoes matter socks matter apparel matters everything matters and that's where we come in from start to finish head to toe we can help you and so uh, and this one uh, since it's back uh, moved into october as opposed to a warmer uh, race that, that what it started out being it's a lot more comfortable uh, does that help people want to be a part of the middle half marathon it does but you have to remember that you're training during the hot months ah, okay. so that you know so so you have you're, you need to acclimate the body to it but once what's interesting is special kids had to move their race mm-hmm. right into to october so this is the one year due to covid that we have the middle half then special kids, and then the Bro Dash, three back-to-back, three staple races, and three really wonderful races that build our community. And so uh, people can effectively run in all three of those. If they can, we want them to, of course. Um, and so what we did this year, Fleet Feet and the staff, we created a sweatshirt that's a commemorative sweatshirt that highlights oh, a running series for just because this is the only year that this is going to happen. Be a part of history. Be uh, a part of history. That. Now, I, I've no, I've noticed um, Miles Tate has mm-hmm. gotten really involved in all of these, and, and I, I don't know at what point he became a, a diehard runner, uh, but he uh, and uh, Melissa, uh, Melinda have been uh, just real runners from the beginning. Uh, he even goes to the Boston Marathon. He runs everywhere. So his involvement in the middle half. They, he, they, Melinda and Miles are the founders of it. The thought came from every, everything about that race came from these two people. It's a, it is a baby. It's another it's a one. Love. Of, it, right. It's another one of their children. Yeah. And um, so it's been nurtured. And, and for me, like to be with them, I've learned a lot from them. But as far as running, yeah, he of course all the marathons and. And I've, I've been surprised too. Our mayor uh, is Shame. not only involved in this, but he's been, I think, in the New York Marathon. Yes, he has. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, my last experience with the New York Marathon is I was asked by one of my brands to crew um, a blind runner, and mm. so you tether up. And then that was when Sandy came through, and the, the New York Marathon was canceled. Okay. So, uh, but you never know. What's what? You never know. But the true runner uh, on that experience. They, we ran anyway around Central Park, and we just got the race done. Of course, we couldn't go um, across the bridge, but we were there running it, and it was unstructured. But um, 
Yeah, so I think there's a lot of Murfreesboro, there's a lot of hidden talent, and David Jones just finished uh, oh, yeah, the Badwater 135, the most challenging, adventurous endurance race in the world, and he just now finished in 30, right shy of 39 hours. And I remember here, David, uh, who lives in the Eagleville area, mm-hmm. uh, when his mother was alive, he would run over to see her in the mornings. Uh, and that sounds nice until you find out his mother uh, lived off of uh, Brecon, in the Breckenridge area. And that's a good distance to run from Eagleville to Breckenridge. Yeah. I he, mean, he doesn't know distance. Like, it's not normal. He is, um, <laughs> he is, he, he's out on that greenway. He probably knows every runner in this town. Yeah. He has more miles. He's hit the pavement more than probably anybody I know in this community. He loves the long distance runs, 100 miles. He's just finished 135 miles that started in the lowest continental elevation in the United States. Where is that? It's in Badwater, Death Valley. And he ran through Death Valley. He loves that area for some reason. It's it's because of the Badwater race. Um, It's one of the the most, it's just an endurance race that um, they classified as one of the roughest races in the world. So you can really get into these races. I mean, this who knows if, if you get involved in the middle half marathon, October the 9th, uh, you never know where it's going to lead. I mean, might be the greatest dream of your life come true. It just takes a commitment. So I say if you commit to something for the three weeks, let the brain get used, like set small goals, three yeah. weeks, stay consistent to it. And when you shift a pattern in the brain, then it becomes pretty much a behavior you just change your behavior and krista again what is that uh, web address for people to check on so you can go to fleetfeetmurfreesboro.com um just google it and we're there for training programs we have the sweatshirt um and information on registering for the middle half of course and the the training begins once again a 12-week program is there a a hard start date or hard start date is july the 27th 6 15 at the store um so that's pretty soon that's That's five days away that's five days away remember because that puts you 12 12 weeks out for the half marathon okay wow the the middle half marathon (laughs) yep so get with uh, krista over at fleet feet sports and say hey i'm ready to begin my new life as a runner that's what we want (laughs) and this who knows you may be the next one out in that bad bad water is that what it's called bad water right bad water 135 there you go he's told me about uh being you know followed by cougars and stuff like that and he was running i think up in uh up in the hills of tennessee somewhere Mm -hmm. and he was uh i think it was near uh, i don't know where it was but he ran into a a rattlesnake or a rattlesnake ran into him right <laughs> and he was alone yeah oh my goodness <laughs> but got home or uh, got to medical help uh, on his own uh, and it turned out fine so yep. an adventure in every curve that's right <laughs> even if it's getting your mail <laughs> that's right krista thank you for joining You're us this, so morning. Welcome. this has been fun thank you so much krista dugash visiting with us this morning from fleet speed fleet feet <laughs> sports that's hard to get out sometimes hey stay with us much more to come we're going to look at some local history right after uh, a quick check on a salute to veterans and we'll look at the weather and traffic and all of that The Dave Ramsey Show, where debt is dumb, cash is king, and the paid-off home mortgage has taken the place of the BMW. Weekdays from 1 to 4 on WGNS.
Good morning. Watching traffic volume increase even more now. In the last few minutes on 24 up through the Hickory Hollow area. 840's got quite a bit of traffic and quite a bit of radar as well up and down certain sections of 840 this morning. Make sure you slow it down. Don't say we didn't warn you. Hey, Gatlinburg Wine Cellars, home of the world famous cotton candy wine. Check them out at GatlinburgWineCellar.com. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. We'll see mostly sunny skies here this afternoon. Areas of haze at times with a high in the low 90s. Winds out of the north around 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 67. Start your mornings with WGNS. Weekday mornings at 9. The Truman Show. Rutherford Issues with Brian Barrett. Weekday mornings at 10 on the stations of WGNS. Hi, this is Amanda at Animal City. Come see us at 919 Northwest Broad Street here in Murfreesboro. And if you have dreamed of a tranquil garden pond as your oasis, come see us at Animal City. We carry all the supplies you need to start a garden pond or maintain the one you already own. Here at Animal City, we have everything you need to start your own garden pond. Come see us and let our 30 years worth of experience be helpful for you. You can find Animal City at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Restaurants. We have a club steak, and the club steak can be cooked to any flavor that you want. It is the club steak. It's a seven-ounce piece of steak, and we named it that way because it looks like and has the shape of a golf club. We have a low-calorie menu and a low-carb menu, so depending on whatever diet that you like, we have options for you that are available at Demas's. Please have your family join our family for lunch or dinner seven days a week at Demas's. It's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner and we salute our veterans. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. In this salute, we talk to a veteran who served in the Marines. Andrew Farr, Marine combat veteran, I was born in Nashville, grew up in uh, New Hampshire, uh, went to boarding school, went to college, and then uh, enlisted in the Marine Corps. Did four years, three combat tours, and then got out in 2008. A combat veteran is not an easy job. No, it wasn't when I was in. And not you, for the Vietnam vets, uh, not for Korea, World right. War One, World War Two. Those guys had it rough. And I, I did have it rough, but not as not as bad as those guys. Well, that's that's true. And I think it's because society as a whole is becoming more aware of what we're asking yes. of our military personnel. You said you did three tours. It, that was uncommon. In Back Vietnam. then. Vietnam, you did one tour, two tours. That was it. But now we have guys doing three, five, six. six. seven. I've known a guy who did eight tours. Uh, we did the Democratic vote in 05 okay. in Iraq. We were a part of that. 2006, eh, not so much humanitarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2007, definitely humanitarian. We actually helped out Bangladesh in 07 when they had that micro-tornado. We gave them food and water and, and uh, helped them uh, recover bodies from the mess. I think that our foreign policy in particular is asking a lot of the men and women yes, sir, of this country. I agree. Andrew Farr, Marine combat veteran. I'm Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. This has been a salute to veterans on WGNS Radio. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One MiddleTennessee.com. Locally and veteran owned. Now, more than ever, start your mornings with WGNS. The Action Line with Bart Walker. Weekday mornings at 810 on WGNS AM, FM, online. 
Welcome back to the Action Line from WGNS. This is the segment where we're going to be talking about some local history. Gloria Christie is with us, and she's going to be uh, giving us some things to stimulate our mind this morning. I want to say happy birthday to Yashika Benford. Yashika Benford is the winner of our delicious Slick Pig homemade banana pudding. It's her birthday today. Yashika Benford, happy birthday. And our good neighbor of the day is Darnell Spann. Darnell will receive flowers from Ryan Flowers Coffee and Gifts as our good neighbor. Well, here's another good neighbor. Hey! Hey. (laughs) (laughs) How are you this morning? I'm awesome. How about you? I'm doing great. Beautiful day. This is the first time we've done this in a long, long time. It is. This is fun Ah, old memories. I love it. I love it. We're going to just reminisce about some things that uh, were here in Murfreesboro. Oh, many years ago, or it doesn't have to be that I, long ago. I, I, I know, um, I was thinking about a question just to kind of get us kick off kick, kick off this discussion. Mm-hmm. Who was the first person in your family, Bart, that maybe helped you understand your history, your family's history? Somebody that <clears throat> maybe... Maybe there was a really good storyteller in your family or uh, someone that just it, it you just clicked when you thought, wow, I need I need to remember that. I need to pass that my along. Grandmother. Was that your grandmother? My grandmother. She used to tell great stories. I remember she had a big wicker rocking chair yeah. with the big side pockets. She kept books in them and she'd read them to me. And uh, when I was a little kid. We would be driving, or I would, I'd be riding. I wouldn't be driving. I was <laughs> four, four years old uh, down the old Nashville Highway because uh, there wasn't a new Nashville Highway. Right. And we would pass this place called, I believe, Squirrel Lodge. Ooh. And uh, it, it had signs up, uh, which was a motel-type yeah. place. And I would always be fascinated. And she would come back with some outlandish fun stories about how the squirrels ran that place and all of that. And I still remember that today. Wow. I don't know if Squirrel Lodge is, uh, if anything is left there. Is not. it? Uh, well, you know, I think, well, of course, uh, without a doubt, my dad would tell us things that I think in stories and, and reminisce about. And I, I guess the thing that was always so fascinating with him not only it, it was always when we were fishing or working oh, yeah. or whatever it was not you know sometimes we would be riding in the car and he would uh talks particularly when we would dr- drive from tennessee to idaho where my mother's home was That's that a was drive. a long time <laughs> 2600 miles we had a long time to talk me and, and my no brother inter- no would interstate have, well yeah and my poor little sister they put her in the back seat back back seat because back then there you we had three uh layer the the front seat and the uh-huh. middle seat and then the back seat well that, uh that's where linda stayed because mom said she just wanted to make sure she was safe because we were always <laughs> fighting oh uh, boy we'd have feet fights in the back of the yeah. car yeah so anyway those were times that we would talk and and share t- uh with every, every with each other but um i think where i really began to get a, a hooked in on history is is grandma uh like you were saying she would tell me what it looked like here during the 1930s and just 
different and i know that we've in the past we've had folks that remembered things like when murfreesboro was little chicago or Mm -hmm. denoted Mm -hmm. with that characterization and just just different the different things that have happened and what with to me those oral store oral traditions those stories are really where uh, it i think it really gives the true color and fabric of the community and uh you can see it written in a history book but why it's more real if it comes from your family oh, yeah. stories and i, I i'm so uh, blessed every single day i have that opportunity to to visit with folks about their history their personal history and and it's that it's their stories that just uh they're unique stories because everyone has a unique story and a unique family story and, and i think uh, and like you were saying there's always a location mm-hmm. like the squirrel lodge i think some of the places in murfreesboro I was thinking Black Cat Cave. Oh, yeah. I I never saw that as a a, a speakeasy. But I did know, I heard stories about it from friends. And we finally figured out where it was. And one afternoon, uh, we took the kids, when they were kids, uh, over to it. This was long before, uh, I think, uh, the city bought it or anything. Yeah, right. And, And it was opened. Uh, not generally. I mean, it was there was nothing to stop you from walking into it, and we did. And you could hear that river really flowing heavily in the background. You could have the feel of what it was like—the concrete on the floor, the brick old blocks mm-hmm. on the wall. You could see what it would be like there, mm-hmm. and envision the reason it was popular. I mean, they didn't have air conditioning back in those days, and it was a place to go uh, and cool off and. Uh, I guess dance, be with friends, what have you. Well, um, and there was always, uh, I, my mother-in-law uh, took us there, uh, Ben and Will and myself. We were coming back from one little adventure somewhere, and we stopped. She actually told me what oh. it looked like. And wow. she, we walked, and you know, even you, you walked down through that a little trail. It mm-hmm. was just a little well-worn path to the to the cave in the entrance of the cave she stood there and just went oh my where's the porch she said there was was a porch that extended out from the 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 entrance of the cave yeah and then she said that she told me that on the porch were rockers so they were it was a big deal it was a big and it was i probably i I don't several feet uh, uh even from the entrance but then she started telling me that you that going into the cave and all around the cave were colored lights. Can you imagine that? Just a, it was a set the mood for set a party. the mood, yeah. and and then she t- we walked in the cave. She sh- showed me. Where, oh, you actually went into the yeah. Cave? We went in the cave, okay. and she showed me where the, the, she said most of the time they had a jukebox in there. I don't know how they would have had electricity. I don't. I'm well, not they, sure. The, the power plant was over at Walter Hill. Walter Hill. There yeah. you go. That explains it. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, but they did have a jukebox, and she. It was kind of over to the left a bit. She told. So you knew where she mm-hmm. showed you where yeah, everything. Yeah, she showed was. me where everything was. But the other thing she told me, which, this is, it was you went to Black Hat Cave, but I don't. They called it. Um, 
it, uh, they you went honky tonking, mm-hmm. and every parent did not want their kid in the 1930s and 40s to go honky tonking. That was not a good thing, and so you never really you might have gone there, but you never did you divulge where you went. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've all been to places that we didn't want <laughs> our parents to know about. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, we all can identify with that. But uh, it's funny, uh, Daddy could describe it too. So, and of course, so he, he went too. He went too. <laughs> Okay. Now, so I'm imagining that the road that is in front of it, which is over near the VA hospital, if people are trying to figure out where we're talking about, uh, Highway 231, Memorial, whatever you Mm -hmm. want to call it, the road to Lebanon, uh, it's straight right now. But I bet it was not straight. I bet that road that curves around, which is basically in front of where Mm -hmm. you're talking about, Mm -hmm. I bet that was the road out there. And it wasn't road. paved. Daddy said that wasn't road paved. was not paved. Really? Uh, yeah, it was one. That was one of the last roads to get paved. At least now, that was my dad's. And when would that me. have been? Oh my gosh, probably in the 30s, uh, closer to 1940. I'm, I'm not sure. Someone might. So you had a main road main to road, Lebanon, but it, but it was a, there was a, a gravel road. road. Uh, it was okay. not a full. Uh, well, I don't know if you remember. A lot of the country roads around here were well, not yeah, paved, I, I and that. I remember in. And maybe it was in the in the late fifties, early sixties that uh-huh. we got real excited because they were going to pave uh, Granny's uh, in front of Granny's house uh, out on Leanna, and because there was the country roads were all, and once you left the square, you mostly everything was gravel and or just dirt. You yeah, know? but think about this road that you're talking about. Later became the Dixie Highway. This That's was a exactly major right. thoroughfare. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So as late as 1940, mm-hmm. it was a gravel road. I imagine after the war it was, I know, see, Ma, uh, Grandma and Granddaddy moved to Leanna in 1948, and it was a gravel road then. And it was a gravel road till, gosh, I guess mid-60s. Uh, I know it was when we were children in the early 60s. It was still gravel, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure there. And I'm not sure what happened. Except you know, that those were all uh, county maintained roads. So I'm not sure when that happened. Uh, that's kind of interesting because when we're talking about the history of our community and how it evolved, you know, it one of the things that that really changed everything was those paved roads oh yeah Uh, Yeah. it uh, those isolated communities you know even christiana it was a kind of isolated off the main highway and last cast excuse me all of those little roads rockvale we have photographs i know i talked earlier about those one-room schoolhouses that came from uh some of the work that was done to document health history or uh, in rutherford county and dad was still doing that in the 1930s with these nurses that would go out out into the um those rural schools and, and document what was going on in photography or how the kit it's uh, health care in our town now if somebody listening has some memories of these gravel roads dirt roads Please call us, but don't Please. wait till the show's over. No, don't. 615-893-1450. We want to uh, hear from you. Now, this road that went to Lebanon, uh, in, uh, right. f- in front of the Black Cat Cave, uh, gravel road, later became Dixie Highway. Could it have been, could that have been one of the benefits of 
of them choosing it as the Dixie Highway that it would be paved. Well, how, uh, and I'm not someone else that's probably more uh, in, uh, and I'm saying it kind of anecdotally, but I think some of the Dixie Highway, uh, it, I guess, it, when the Dixie Highway was built in the community, the you had to have community buy-in because mm-hmm. uh, it came from a federal program, and I'm not exactly sure what that was. Uh, the, um, it was in those early days of transportation. And the idea of the Dixie Highway is to get people from Michigan, Chicago, all the way to Miami. And there was actually two routes. Uh, one, <clears throat> and, and you had to have, uh, your community had to, to agree to do certain things to get the, that. And that, when you're right, that, what they agreed to do was to get the route, the highway to come through there. And the, the federal government would offer uh, help, assistance for paving it. And of course, the impetus on that was to get people on the road with their cars and and travel and and be mo- mobile. And that it was all about then, even then, about tourism to Miami and and get people more move, moving. And of course, it would sell automobiles and everything else that would sure. be related. To I, I guess that. that's why Burns, <clears throat> uh, Buick, and whatever the Buick mm-hmm. Cadillacs, whatever they were selling there on Maple Street. Uh, which was the Dixie Highway, right? Because uh, there was no, uh, there was no memorial. Right. Uh, it came on in Maple. Uh, did it go? Uh, US forty one. Yeah, mm-hmm. it went through the square, didn't it? Uh, it took Actually, the it went on College and down. That's right. Uh, that, it went and then it the went square. down Manny and then out towards Manchester Highway. Why did now, they miss the square? It looks like they were. I'm not sure why. It, and, and and I'm not. And I, I, Bill and I've had. He always thought it went around the square, but I don't really believe it I, did. I think you're right because I, I. I don't believe it did. Uh, um, and the reason I, and. You know, because he thought it would would have gone in front. Logically, it would have gone in front For of the business. James K. Polk, Polk yeah. Hotel. But I'm not sure that that really. I do know what that there was a business reason for that, and it, that US 41 was on college because that was called Gasoline Alley. Uh, and you remember, you can probably oh, see remnants yes, yes. Okay, of the can, remnants yeah. of the 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 gas stations, the the vintage gas stations right. along there. Mm-hmm. And I think there's maybe still just one that facade that looks like it. I'm not sure, but there, it, but that that's Greyhound what, bus was yes, there. Yes, yes, exactly. And so that would have been um, probably those businesses emerged there and of course they you need gas to go um, sure. to your dick's next destination and and the uh, idea was to get from murfreesboro to chattanooga and then chattanooga going south all the way to miami so that was a long trip i mean that was a serious trip yeah it was uh, I, so. I, it was a serious trip to idaho i that was before interstates too bart <laughs> <laughs> like we didn't accept interstates too well around here they no i, I guess it was not until the 70s, early 70s, yeah. that we said, okay, let's let's try Interstate Do you 24. remember that conversation? Well, I remember uh, I remember there were not was there was no interstate, and to go from Nashville to Murfreesboro, you'd get off. Uh, you'd, the interstate would stop just about at the Rutherford County line, mm-hmm. and you'd take a road off to get on Murfreesboro Road. Well, and Dad, uh, we've got photographs of that, the building of uh, Old Fort Parkway, and i got to say that very carefully. <laughs> Somebody asked me, where did, uh, you know, I needed a car at, at some point. I'd, somebody ran into my car. Uh-oh. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I needed a, a, a car, 
and I went to a, a card at Bethel. Uh, oh yeah, mm-hmm. Jim Bethel. I Jim Bethel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and people said, "Where where was that?" And then I'm thinking, I think it's right in the middle of Memorial right, <laughs> right now. Right, right. Well, m- memorial and Broad. Right. Because uh, there was no memorial. Yeah, <laughs> it's so hard to uh, to uh, you have to visualize. Uh, what it was like in your mind, and, and particularly now, uh, since basically now with uh, I-24 bisecting our town, and, and, and I was just thinking about I-24 because those pictures that Dad have, those aerials of the late 60s, early 70s, there's nothing out there. And I'm, the conversation was they didn't want the interstate to go through because it would just isolate it it would bisect our town we would never have it nobody would ever go out to in town anymore that it would ruin business you know that because now everybody everybody just drive on by murfreesboro (laughs) you remember that (laughs) but we were not the only one that felt that way there were places in other states all along that uh tried to get the interstate away from their town right and now everybody said, please bring it to my town. Well, now, and you know, I, I, and really what happened as a result of the interstate highway system and the maneuvers like the Dixie Highway, it did get the population to move and interact. And that is, that does help the economy. It certainly sure. did help us. And, and, and I think, you know, right now, a lot of folks, now I'm just thinking outside the box here, but a lot of folks don't realize our potential even yet because of where we're geographically located in the center of Tennessee. I mean, I guess they do, but maybe they don't. There's still great potential, particularly related to tourism, that I don't think we have really imagined. We we sort of have seen it, but we have not seen exactly what what that is if we really defined a mission stayed on mission and realized that the that and i, I was thinking about this during the pandemic if there's there's the there's been really three things that have happened that have that the COVID, that uh the pandemic has affected one it's the economy two it's education and entertainment all mm-hmm. three of those sure, sure and and if we could get a handle on how we can repackage our community, our, our mission, what we are, as a as a as a what our history is, and like you were saying, it's so multifaceted. There's so many things, but it's really exemplary of what uh, it kind of what we experienced here was kind of mirrored the whole U.S. So, what if we've actually came up with a model like that you know i've always wanted to do that you know i have you know this may be the right time because we have we now have 840 which is an interstate which connects three interstates Mm -hmm. how who would have thought that would happen right plus we have i-24 uh we have uh, all of the great music history of our community uh we have uh, all of these opportunities and there was some conversation a good many years back mm-hmm. about building a museum. Right. Uh, also having right, a right, right. theater in that 
Which is, I mean, we're talking about. It needs big to dollars. be interactive. We yeah. uh, that you're not going to get our, our grandkids. They got to have. They got to experience it. They can't just go and see a static museum. And it has to not, be interactive. For is them. It, yeah, yeah. And and there's no better way than to teach them. That, you know me. It's about the music. This, this, <laughs> it, really it is. is. The music tells the history of yeah. your community. Yeah. And people say, well, you're close to Nashville. Well, we had our own music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Uncle Dave Macon. Uh, the mm-hmm. first big star. Absolutely, and and the thing about it, that whole story, I I always kind of look at him as a composite character, and 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 two things: one, he was a hero, not in his own hometown, but he was he was get absorbing all of what he saw in his culture at the time, and the societal Im, uh, influences, just having a car. The invention of the car, the the roads, everything. He was being exposed to all that and all of the stimuli in it, 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 in into his music, and and it really conveyed that to the general public. That's why they identified with him because he was speaking about what they were familiar with, and and uh, and what that was. Those songs of that era, he uh, the 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 instruments, his style of playing, all of that uh, really made its way into modern american music and mm-hmm. a lot of folks just don't know that and and particularly bart i really i i've got to tell you this okay uh, we're talking about being in, uh influenced by your your the previous generation daddy always told us that there was that our family had a meal mm-hmm. uh near Readville mill okay. and he'd always right. go okay. we'd ride out there towards Readville, you know and they'll uh, Kitchell Highway, Woodbury Highway. He said, "Oh, it's over there. It's over there." And I go, and and I thought, "Where is over there?" Where, where? <laughs> well, I want to see this. <laughs> I want to see this. Where is over yeah, there? Yeah, I want that. Uh, yeah. So, my sister was here last fall, and guess what? We found over there. Did you, was there anything left? Yes. Oh boy. Now you know. I just about lost it. I'm going. I am standing there. Where my great grandfather and grandmother had a mill. Ah, oh, it was just wow. in. It was. It's, it's very hard to find. It, it is really over there. Is really. But it really. <laughs> you have to tromp through the woods and, and there's there's you there's stood yeah. where they yeah. stood. Yeah, and actually, I was most interested in looking for it because they had two children that died in the mill pond there. So, um, and after that, it was a dramatic change in their life, and they moved from the mill. To Woodbury, and they uh, lived in the house next to the library there in Woodbury. That was their their home. They moved mm-hmm. to town. They called it that. Moved to town, but uh, but yeah, found it. That is phenomenal. Yeah. Wow. I'll take you there if you want to go. Someday. I would like to see. Yeah, that. you gotta come see it with me. That is just. I, I take everybody on a field trip to it. It's amazing. <laughs> but now I bet most people. If you sort of looked around, mm-hmm. you might find some interesting stories in your family. That's exactly right. And that's where it gets up close and personal. It's that it got up and close and personal for for Linda and I because we were standing there and we got to think and now we understand mm-hmm. what because you can see the mill and you can see it was in the fall so. Uh, the river was rather swollen, and so we could probably see why some, tr- some kind of tragedy would Mills have happened. Mills were so important Yes, back then. and they you were... could see why, you know, a little oh, child yeah. would have gotten away from you. Not sure. one, but two. 
So you could see that. So He's, tragic. Yeah, yeah, it was tragic, but it changed. Uh, that was a big moment in our family that everything changed. And 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 all going skipping, skipping. They, uh, my grandfather was. Uh, that would have been his sisters. Mm-hmm. This so. is another reason. As you look around the attic, as you mm-hmm. look through your grandma's house. Uh, if you come across old pictures, you need to have them preserved because future generations, they right. won't know about it if you don't do that. We are flat out of time. Oh, my gosh. This, we just got started. We just got started. I'm We're so sorry. We're going to have to do this again. I love it. I, this, I feel like this is... This is I'm, old. I miss this. Have you missed this? I miss I this. I do. Well, well, we'll set it up again and we'll yeah. do it again and have some more time to... Uh, yeah. Reminisce a bit. We Gloria, will. thank you again for uh, sharing we're with having us. Fun. Well, just come on by and I'll show you some more history right there at our store at Shacklitz. So. Gloria Christie visiting with us from Shacklitz Photography up on the Murfreesboro Square. Truman's next right here on WGNS Murfreesboro. Good morning to you.